0: Hi, y'all. This is Carrie D. Welcome to the Coffee with Carrie Homeschool Podcast. Join me every Thursday for some much-needed encouragement, coffee, and conversation. It's my prayer that this podcast will help you homeschool one step at a time, one day at a time, and one cup of coffee at a time. Hey, if you're blessed each week by our podcast, make sure you check out my book, Just Breathe and Take a Sip of Coffee, Homeschool and Step with God. Then, share our podcast with some of your homeschooling friends who might need a little encouragement this week. You can also find me at my website, coffeewithcarry.org. So stick around, pour yourself a cup of coffee, put your feet up, and take a little coffee break with me. Let's get started. Hey, Southern California, it's that time of the year again. I hope you can join us for our sixth annual mom event. This year, it's going to be Saturday, February 25th. Now, it's a day full of encouragement, fellowship, and worship. This year, I'm so excited. Jennifer Pepito, author of Mothering by the Book, is going to be joining us too. Early bird registration is only $25 this year, and it goes through the month of January. Then in February, registration, which also includes your lunch and, of course, fresh brewed coffee, is $35. If you're feeling overwhelmed, have a bad case of the winter blase, or you're hitting that February wall a bit early this year, then you need to join us. Go to coffeewithcarry.org for more information or to register today. I hope to see you there. Hi, y'all. Happy New Year. And welcome back to Part 2 of Simplifying Your Learning Space. If you haven't had a chance to listen to last week's episode, check it out after you finish this one. I shared practical ideas for organizing with baskets. It's a new year, so make sure you listen to or re-listen to Coffee with Carrie Homeschool podcast episode 101 called Resolutions, Reflections, and Reassessments. A new year and a new semester. In episode 101, I talked about the importance of reevaluating your homeschooling before the second half of the school year begins. In that episode, I give practical tips and suggestions on how to reset your goals and realign your priorities. I know you're going to find it helpful and encouraging. Now, in this episode, in part two, let's tackle all of your books, your bookshelves, your art, and your nature study stuff, and other learning spaces in and around your home. I have too many books, said no homeschool mom ever. (laughs) You can never have enough books or bookshelves. So we want to utilize every bookshelf in your home. And if you don't have space for more bookshelves, just get some wooden crates, stack them up against the wall, and fill them with books too. If you can, purchase at least one book display type bookshelf. This way, you can display a few picture books or nature study or art study books that are easily accessible to your kids. And if you can't, no worries. Laying books on a coffee table works just as well. Okay, spend some time this week organizing your books. You're going to make piles, or you're going to use leftover Amazon or toy boxes from Christmas. Pull every book off of your shelves and sort them into different categories. This might take a while depending on how many books you have. You can decide on the categories and what works best for your family. Here's how we organize our bookshelves so we can find exactly what we're looking for when we want or need it. Okay, so as you remove all the books off your shelves, make a pile of all your science books. Then make a pile of all your history and biography books. Make a pile of all your art and arts and crafts books. You know, the books on artists and coffee table art and how-to books, stuff like that. Then make a pile of your poetry and your Shakespeare books. Make a pile of all your music books. So that's going to be books about composers, the orchestra, different instruments, musical history. Then make a pile of reference books. So that's like your atlases, your dictionaries, your Bibles, and Bible commentaries. And finally, make a pile of chapter books that are not your historical fictions because your historical fictions are in your history pile. Now that your shelves are empty and your books are sorted into piles, start putting them back on the shelves in categories. Now, I had one entire bookcase just for our history books. On one shelf, try putting all of your ancient history books, all your ancient history encyclopedias, the ancient history historical fictions like Golden Goblet, and all your non-fiction books about people, places, and events in ancient history. You know, books about pyramids and the Trojan horse, the Iliad and the Odyssey, stuff like that. Then on the next shelf, put all of your books about medieval and renaissance. Same thing. So your DK encyclopedias about medieval times, historical fiction set during the Renaissance, such as A Door in the Wall or Robin Hood and any and all fairy tales, and nonfiction books about people, places, and events during the Middle Ages and the Renaissance period. On the third shelf, put all of your American history books, including all of the great historical fictions that you have, such as your American Girl series and Johnny Tremaine, and even your nonfiction primary documents, like, shh, we're reading the Constitution. Now, our U.S. history books take up two shelves, since we have so many great books, ranging from the colonial times to World War II and the Holocaust. To help with space and to make the shelves more attractive, I put some of our favorite history board games as our bookends on our history bookcase. This way, I could easily see and retrieve all things history from this one bookcase. Then, designate a bookcase or just a few bookshelves for your science books. So on one shelf, put all of your animal books and animal encyclopedias. On another shelf, put all of your nature study books and your identification keys and your botany and farming books. Then on another shelf, put all of your geology, earth science, weather, and natural disaster type books. And then on another shelf, put all of your astronomy, space, and constellation books. I also use some of our favorite science games and our science models as my bookends on our science bookshelves. Now, if you can, try to carve out a little art nook or a little art corner somewhere in your house. We had this little spot just big enough for two small bodies and a kid-sized table. We put a small bookcase next to it. On top of the bookcase, I displayed a few picture books about the artists we were studying that month. And I stocked those shelves with baskets and bins full of every art supply I could think of. Glue, feathers, construction paper, origami paper, tape, chalk, pastels, paints, googly eyes, watercolors. If I could get it at the dollar store, I'd put it in the art corner. Now, this little art corner or art nook was where I also put all of our art books books about different artists, about art history, all of our how to books, like how to draw this and how to paint that, and all of our arts and crafts books. This way, when my kids were feeling creative or they wanted to make a thank you card or a gift for someone, whatever they needed, it was right there at their fingertips. We also have a few bookshelves designated for our poetry and Shakespeare books. Have a shelf with all of your Bibles, devotionals, commentaries, and Bible studies on it. Try having one shelf for all things music related, and then have another shelf for all your reference books. Now on my top shelf, this is where I keep all of my seasonal picture books and chapter books. You know, because I only needed these books at specific times of the year, like at Christmas or Easter or when fall began or when spring started. So I kept them on a top shelf until I needed them, and then I pulled down the books I wanted and placed them into my seasonal basket, which I talked about in the last episode. I also had a bookshelf just for all my math-themed picture books. Yeah, that's a thing. And there are so many great math picture books out there. Make sure you listen to season one, episode number 19, Math Morning Time Basket. Tame those math tears and fears. In that episode, I share a ton of great picture books that you can use to teach a ton of complicated math concepts. Now, I divvied up the other picture books between Francesca's room and Joe's room. They had bookshelves, too. So their favorite books were shelved in their rooms. What was left over were the chapter books that were not historical fictions, like Because of Winn-Dixie, Wonder, Percy Jackson series, A Wrinkle in Time, The Wizard of Oz, you know, the classics and the new classics that weren't historical fictions. And I put those on one or two particular bookshelves. Now, I didn't alphabetize these. I just put them on the shelves so that they look nice and they were easy to get to. Now, like I said earlier, the baseball books and the how-to books were on bookshelves in my son's room because that's what he was interested in. And my daughter's bookshelves had all of our fantasy books and all of the Harry Potter books because she was really the only one who read those. So you're probably thinking, where were my books? Well, my books are either on Audible On Kindle or in my personal quiet time basket, or you can find a pile on my nightstand next to my bed. With the exception of my homeschooling books, which I keep and I read and reread every year, I usually gave away my fiction books or sold them after I read them. So I didn't really need a space to keep them. Now let's talk about your learning space or spaces. Kids love to have their art displayed. So find a spot where you can display your child's artwork. Now what we did was I put up two beautiful frames on our wall, one for each of my kids. Whenever my son or my daughter created something that they really liked, I would display it in that picture frame up on the wall. And to be safe, the picture frame was an 11 by 14. So for the most part, whatever they drew or painted or colored or created, it would fit in that frame. And yes, I rotated the artwork. I didn't hang everything up all the time. When I did replace a picture in the picture frame, I would put the old picture or the old painting into a bin of artwork that I kept in our homeschool closet. And then at Christmas time or when someone's birthday came around, my kids would often pick an original art piece to give away as a gift or they would use it as a card or to use it as wrapping paper. I hated throwing away their artwork, so this was a great compromise. Now, I also purchased a really nice 8x10 frame with a little small easel. Each month for our artist study, I would print and color the masterpieces by that particular artist that I wanted to share with the kids. And I would put that artist's masterpiece in this nice frame and I would display it on the easel. It fit on a little counter that we had by the art corner. That way, the kids were constantly looking at the artist's masterpiece throughout the week and the month. Then, find a beautiful world map that you like. Laminate it and frame it, and then hang it on your wall. It looks nice and it doesn't make your house look like it's a schoolroom. Then, when you talk about geography or world events, you can reference the world map and even write on it with dry erase markers because it's laminated. If you have a globe, place it on your bookshelf with your reference books or with your history books. It's functional and it looks nice. If you do timelines like we did, find a room that you would like to display and hang your timeline pieces. Some people use a whole wall for this, but we just didn't have the space for that. So in our little office area, I strung string along the molding by the ceiling. We did have to look up to see our timeline, but it was visible and it didn't take up much needed wall space. Now we wrapped our timeline around the entire ceiling underneath the molding and I attached colorful clothespins to the string so when we added a timeline card or piece to it, we could easily clip it to the string in chronological order. Now, if you want more info on using and creating timelines, make sure you check out the episodes History Alive Part 1 and 2 in Season 1, and then make sure you listen to Less is More in Season 4. If you have a wall or half of a wall that you can paint, consider painting it with chalkboard or blackboard paint. Now, you can hang a whiteboard on your wall if you want, but a wall with a chalkboard or blackboard paint looks less like a classroom and more like an inviting home space. Now, we used our chalkboard wall for our memory verse, our weekly to-do list, our nature studies, you know, things like that. Okay, let's talk about games. Stacks and stacks of board games can be an eyesore for some people. If this is the case for you, then put most of them in your homeschool closet. We talked about that last in the last episode. but. I have found that when games are out of sight, moms forget to use them. So we had one bookcase devoted to all of our games. And I tried really hard to arrange the games on that bookshelf in such a way that it was aesthetically pleasing too. There wasn't any rhyme or reason to how the games were organized. I just needed to see them and to have them at my fingertips So I would remember to use them. I also found the kids played them more when they were out in the open and easy to get to. When the games were behind a door or stored in a box, it was too much effort to take them out and play. Now, if you don't have space for a game bookcase, then each month go through your games and pick out the ones that you want to play that month. Maybe it's a multiplication game or a human anatomy game, a chemistry game for your teen and a few word and reading games. Put them by your planning basket or in that lunch basket we talked about or on one shelf that you've designated for games. Then rotate the games you pick each month. That way most are in the closet out of sight, but the ones you want to play with that month you can see and get to easily. Trust me, You will play them and use them if you can see them. On a final note, if you don't have space for a formal school room or you don't want your home to look like a school, consider using transparent menu holders or sheet protectors inside of binders. Instead of hanging on your walls, the big ABC posters or an anatomy poster or parts of a flower or bug posters... Print and color the diagrams and the lists that you want to use and place them in sheet protectors or in those transparent menu holders and make one for each child. This way, your kids can easily see the diagrams or the list or the verse or the map every day, and you can even write on them with dry erase markers. You've also freed up a lot of wall space. Now, if you have some extra funds, Consider buying colorful, commercially made ABC cards or scripture cards or states and capital cards or those beautiful timeline cards, whatever it is you're studying, along with a wooden stand or recipe stand. This way, you can display or show your kids whatever you're working on. It's beautiful, but it's also small and portable. I'll have some links in the show notes to some of my favorites. No need to put holes in the wall or tack things up on your limited wall space if you don't want to. So the overreaching theme here is to not box yourself into having a schoolroom, but to see every inch of your home inside and out as learning spaces. Utilize every space you can. I mean, if you have a play kitchen set, put it in your kitchen for a while so your toddler or your preschooler can quote unquote cook and play while you're cooking dinner. Set up a spot outside for some safe playing. Create a water table or a sand table or put an old playset kitchen outside for mud pies. You don't need fancy play sets outside. Just make sure your kids have plenty of time to be outside. Have maybe a box full of balls or jumping ropes, frisbees, a box of chalk, some spray bottles, hula hoops, homemade lawn bowling equipment. A cornhole toss, bean bags. All of these things are super simple and they're old fashioned stuff that will keep them busy for hours. And if you can, hook up your main TV to your computer. This way, when you want to show maybe a YouTube video demonstration, or maybe play an online geography or music game together as a family, or you want to show some pictures from the internet to the entire family at the same time, you can use your TV as your screen. Now, some people have access to YouTube and stuff like that through their cable or their direct TV, but if you don't, you can easily connect your computer screen to your TV with appropriate cables. The key to getting organized is utilizing the space you already have in a way that makes your planning, learning, and playing easier. Your home is designed differently than mine. So, take the ideas in this episode and tweak them so that they can be applied to the space you do have. The key to staying organized is having a place for everything and training everyone in the family to keep things in their proper place. At the end of each day or at the end of your learning time, spend a few minutes as a family putting your home back in order. Get everyone involved. I mean, they helped make the mess, so they should help put it back together. Each child can put all of their schoolwork and their books back into their individual school basket and then place those school baskets up on the correct shelf or in the correct place. Put the supply basket back up on its shelf. At the end of the day, clean up the art corner and put the musical instruments back into their proper baskets. Put the games back on the shelf. Return books to the right bookshelf or the right basket. Either put all the Lego pieces in their Lego box or just close the door to your son's room and don't look inside. Now, as you pray about 2023 and the second half of your school year, take some time to not only organize your plans, but to reorganize your learning space. And I would love to see your before and after pictures, too. So when you're done, shoot me an email at coffeewithcarryhomeschool at gmail.com or send me a direct message on Instagram at coffeewithcarryconsultant. I would love to see your new and improved learning spaces. Happy New Year and happy organizing. Thank you for hanging out with me and for joining me for this little coffee break. If this is your first time joining me, make sure you check out my book, Just Breathe and Take a Sip of Coffee, Homeschool and Step with God. If you're new to homeschooling or you're looking for ways to simplify and streamline your homeschooling in the new year, this is the perfect book to read. Don't forget, you can find me at my website, coffeewithcarry.org. Now, if you heard something you liked or something new, then share a podcast with a friend who might need a little encouragement this week or with a mom friend who needs help reorganizing and reprioritizing. And if you haven't already, we would love for you to subscribe to Coffee with Carrie Homeschool Podcast and take a few minutes to leave a little review. This really helps other homeschooling moms find our podcast. Thank you in advance for listening to us each week and for sharing my podcast, book, and homeschool mom ministry with your friends. We're so very honored and grateful. It's our prayer that our website, consulting services, podcast, and book will help you homeschool one step at a time, one day at a time and one cup of coffee at a time. We're praying for you. Stay healthy. God bless. Happy New Year. And see you next time.